listening to the Nerds Assemble podcast. Welcome to episode 283 of the Nerds Assemble podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Paul. And I'm Paul, aka Retroid. This week we've got a mixed bag. Um, sorry about the delay. Combination of, I think, health, mental health, um, family stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't, was techn- no, technology was trying to be an ass recently, but maybe not on podcast nights. But shh, the technology didn't hear that. Shh, I've jinxed us all now, haven't I? technology well, is all in technology it heard me it's, it's listening to us because we're telling it to listen to us and you just said that and quite frankly you've doomed us you should be ashamed of yourself. i'm sorry everyone um this, this is, is how it begins time, is it a good time to bring up that i've got like a potential thunderstorm warning on my phone but i'm not sure if it's meant to start tonight or tomorrow I morning think from what i've heard it's meant to start tomorrow oh good cool 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 um, so the first thing we wanted to pop to you all this uh, this episode and, and talk about was this delightful tweet that has uh, ended up with quite the ratio. It has been <laughs> ratios. What, what, what do you mean by ratio, Emily? Well, basically, if the combined amount of likes and retweets is far lower than your number of quote tweets... It means one has been ratioed, and it tends to be used only ever in a negative scenario. So the outcome is disparaging or negative towards the original poster. Okay. So basically, uh, it's uh, it's a sign that they um, have a bad take. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, Twitter user Apex Alpha J. Dear Lordy. See, um, he's Apex Alpha, you see? You see? Um, Apex Alpha. He's the Apex of the Alphas. Um, <laughs> did tweet over the weekend, whether or not it'll be online come sort of by the time we actually post the episode up. Or it'll... I'm I don't, sure I, screenshots around I mean, I've got a screenshot of it. I saved it. Um, and here's a whole thread. But um, he originally <laughs> tweeted, Is it me... Or Sony be making their lead female protagonist look masculine as hell, barely no curves or rough non-feminine features, unlike the average woman. Like cough, cough. TLU2's Ellie, extra should just saying. Hashtag my two cents. Pick from the game on the left. Fan made on the right. Higher fans, lol. Um, and then the images are a, uh, a like a promotional image of Aloy from. Is it zero, Horizon. Horizon Zero Dawn? Yeah, and a fan version of Aloy, which we will tell you about the delightful context of the so-called fan version <laughs> in a bit, because there's some delightful irony to be found. Delightful irony, say? Oh, oh absolutely delightful. Delicious. Um, Apex Alpha J over the course of the tweet's life has then decided to just kind of play it cool and that like 
he's you know just speaking truth and that everyone likes his take um <laughs> and that everyone's being sensitive oh, but it? it's like aside from the fact that apparently apex alpha j may have encountered few female presenting people in life um or you know women presenting yeah, that, peaches. That, that was the takeaway really wasn't it yeah um how do i describe the a lawyer looks like an actual you know person that would exist normally and certainly in a post-apocalyptic situation which as many quote twitter and replier pointed out who the fuck has makeup in the post-apocalypse where machines have pretty much destroyed everything for several hundred years by the events of the game? It's a it, long time. It's at time. least several there's, hundred, yeah. I, I've, I've not played no it, but yeah. There's no makeup left in the world, okay? Survival's kind of difficult, so you've got no time to... I mean, I don't know how long this guy thinks that like full makeup takes to apply, but it's a long time. God damn He has time. no idea, but probably thinks that all women should wear it. I mean, I'm pretty I, sure. Yeah. I'm pretty I, sure. I, I saw a, a few saying, it, you know, this is probably the, you know, the kind of dude who says, oh, yeah, I prefer the natural look with no makeup. And, yeah, it's like, no, no, you don't. No, because it's like two <laughs> levels no idea of what like, the natural look. It's, it's like two involved. levels of foundation, concealer, sculpted eyebrows with a lot of eyebrow pencil and stuff, uh, eyelash inserts, lip gloss, lipstick, anything like that. You know, loads of eyeshadow and eyeliner, mascara, um, whitened teeth, or even veneers, if the fan image is anything to go by. Um, I think the hair is about the only thing the two of them roughly have the same in terms of level of effort going in. Um, Bear in mind that it looks like one's... Uh, well, the one on the left, which is the actual uh, image, is uh, looking like it might be taken from, like, you know, either well, not necessarily in-game footage, but the game engine type thing. Yeah. And the one on the right is obviously a sty- highly stylized painting. Couple that with the fact that the one on the left, i.e. the you know, the actual promotional image, um, she's obviously uh, got like a, a furrowing a brow and whatnot, and uh, you know, she's basically having kind of a, a menacing, well, not not even menacing, just kind of a, a well worn look. Well, it's not just well worn. I mean, to be fair, her expression is like the perfect expression to react to this tweet yeah. because it's just like. Like, almost the... like a scowl type thing. It's... Yeah. And the one on the right, the fan worked one, is basically, <laughs> you know, bright eyed, you know, massive uh, grin on a face. And it's just like this this is kind of the epitome of telling women to smile more. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. I mean the, the the picture looks like she's just stepped out of a post apocalyptic makeup trailer. <laughs> Which there are so many of those around in post-apocalyptica, from what I can see, yep. so many. Um, it's just like I mean, he—he he basically just seems to you know just want female game characters to exist purely for the male gaze, which is a for the male gaze classic bit of film theory that you can apply to a lot of other media texts. Yes. Yeah. Is it female gaze? Media theory. Well, no, I mean, it was originally film theory because you got Laura Mulvey doing her essay in, was it the 80s? That was about the 
female gaze. Where you just drop Mulvey into the conversations to be like... It's about some of the shit. only theory that I remember from Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, where she talks about um, the sort of scopophilia in- involving women's bodies and like how in films certainly that uh, women's bodies are like fetishized in, an, in a way where they're kind of piece- put together as like objects mm-hmm. of like... Right. You know, Desire. Yeah, like pieces, like um, at times you'll kind of see footage of, uh, say, for example, just a woman's ass or just a woman's eyes or just a woman's hair. Or, well, obviously attached to the yeah, hair. Yeah, and 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 it's sort of done in a way that um, you know, re- reduces a woman to an object, and it happens far more with uh, female characters in film than male. Because well, in fact, actually, hardly really touches on the male side. But then you had was it Stephen Neil? Was it Steve Neil? Steve Neil, I believe. Steve Neil, who then came back with a responsive uh, uh, essay that was kind of like, yes, but also it does happen a bit with um, some male characters yeah, like in films. With, with male power fantasy. Especially. Uh, and that is always yeah. a, a case of like big muscular men, you know, completely ripped. I think know, he wrote about... Traditionally handsome. I think he wrote about Commando. The Arnold Schwarzenegger film for that essay wouldn't surprise me, but it's it's like when um, guys turn around and say, "Oh, well, you know, you talk about you know women get objectified, men get objectified too," and it's like, yes, for other men. I I yeah. did quite enjoy. I mean, it, it it's uh, like. Do, do you remember a few years ago there was uh, an artist who put male Marvel superheroes in you know poses mm. from the uh, female. The- Posters. The Hawkeye Initiative. Yes. Yeah. Mm. We've talked about them before. Yeah. It, that that was that was just beautiful. <laughs> With l- lots of guys go, I don't like it. <laughs> and you go, why? I just shut up. <laughs> Is it? Uh-huh. <laughs> but um yeah, like it, it, it's never, it's not quite so. It gets close. Um, and the thing is, is that even in scenarios where you could be like, oh, you know, men definitely get objective, where you'd think it would be like straight porn. No, 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 The female body still ends up more objectified in straight porn on account of the fact that um, straight porn isn't made for everyone. It's literally just made for straight men, hmm. pretty much. It's not well, even, I don't most, think it's made mostly, for, like... I'd say, yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even say it's made for anyone who's, like, bi or pan or anything as well because of the way that the the body is treated in the visuals like that the, there's like there's just i mean i think not want to focus on bits i like that's for sure which is why i, never watched. <laughs> I, think, I think basically with, with with straight porn you're kind of looking at slightly different kind of things because obviously you do have the sexualization and the objectification mm. of the woman with the guy you generally tend to have um basically uh, a focus on what he's doing to the woman mm. um and you know kind of obviously kind of you know ripped or whatnot um but also just kind of staying away from the face of the of the guy yeah as though it's basically just kind of pretty much you're watching um a lady who be, who's been objectified um fucking the equivalent of a sex toy yes yeah pretty much i mean yeah. g- Gay porn is shot differently, um, and you actually find that a lot of straight and uh, sort of like people on the sort of uh, LGBTQIA um, uh, side I'm, who aren't just gay. Yeah, to I'm, I'm watch trying. I'm trying desperately porn. to avoid using the term in your face. <laughs> but um, yeah, 
Um, is, it, is it kind of getting a bit hard to do that? Oh, lordy. It is, yeah. It's getting harder all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Nerds After Dark. <laughs> See, it's, it's, the, in there. It's, the, oh! it's, it's the repetition. Oh, it is such a good thing that we're rated as explicit. Um, we are not safe for anyone. Nope. <laughs> we are. We are not safe. For, yeah, we're not safe for anyone. We are not safe for anyone. Um, but okay, so like, it's just. Bullshit! God, her face looks so plastic. Mm-hmm. In in the the apparent fan version, but then here's the irony, which Retroid found and shared before the episode. So somebody had shared. I, I thought that yeah, I thought it was beautiful. The images, the fan images origins. So um, some time ago, a um, uh, I'll say some time ago in the recent past week reddit user kenny mc seven eight seven eight seven seven yeah kenny mc seven eight seven seven uh shared on reddit um hey everyone i decided to make a less political alloy um i don't know which sub that was posted to that's her name oh right okay which is obviously a play on the term because i haven't played uh horizon zero door but knowing that there's mechs and stuff in it i'm assuming that's a play on the term alloy because metal Mex. Um, I have got it downloaded on my PS4 to play, actually, because it was free recently in Sony's Play at Home initiative. Mm. Um, but anyway, anyway. So he, he it, it was like, you know, meant to be less political, but as a joke. And as somebody commented on the thread, linking to our... Um, Apex Alpha or Alpha Apex. Uh, damn it, OP incels are already using your art non ironically. I hate and love that this has happened, said uh, Kenny MC. So, I mean, that that's kind of the equivalent of uh, finding out that, um, like, uh, right wing tabloid has used a satirical news site to um, claim something. <laughs> Which, which ha- never happens. It happens far more than we would like. Um, but it's hilarious when it does. Um, um, so, yeah, Aloy is a delightful, realistic-looking female character. I mean, seriously, she's what you'd get when there's, like, nobody bothers putting makeup on, spending hours doing hair, I don't know what her teeth are like, but they're certainly not as veneer white as um, the fan art. She doesn't have lip gloss on, unlike the fan art. Or, or, you know, But it's it's, it's kind of bizarre to think that, you know, uh, like as the original kind of um, creator said, you know, uh, an apolitical thing. <laughs> that That's meant to be like the, you know, the fan I mean, imagining. I... And it's just like, it, it, it kind of points to the fact that for some reason, some people see a woman, oh, sorry, a woman without makeup and without kind of being, you know, da- glammed you know, up, glammed up as it were, is somehow a political statement. But also the irony being that Aloy, as the apolitical version, is still politicized on account of the fact that she isn't a representation of like what most women look like. 
regardless of their birth gender. Okay, can I just say that? I mean, or birth sex, this, sorry. This ace, apex alpha, uh, like he, he's kind of you know kind of pointing towards uh, the Last of Us 2's L or Ellie rather. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but what about the other character that you kind of uh, eventually kind of play as in the second game? Yeah, because um, I mean, I'm pretty sure, like she doesn't um, seem particularly feminine. No, she's really no. I think he's he's using English unclearly here. Unlike the average woman, like. But like that 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 game that is pointing to has a female character that is not you know meek and mild and the stereotypical feminine. No, no, but I think he's literally. I think you're misinterpreting that. He says, unlike so, if we read it. Is it me or is Sony be making their lead female protagonist look masculine as hell? Barely no curves or rough features, none for the features, unlike the average woman, um, which is what the art on the right's meant to represent, which is the fan art. Um, dot, dot, dot. Unlike the average woman, yeah. So, like, cough, end cough. Um, like, so, like, so TLO2 is an example of Sony making more masculine characters. He doesn't like Ellie. He thinks Ellie is masculine, even though there's yeah. an even more masculine character in TLO2 that isn't Ellie. He's not written it very clearly at all. I put that down mostly to him being a prick. It's entirely possible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's it just, yeah, no, possible. you know. Yeah, it's not I, obvious. If you need a lady character, you definitely need, need the boob physics for a start. That's you know that's something that's uh, you know very important because and, it, you know if they're not curvy and pretty and smiley, then it it makes his pee pee sound. I mean, the stupid thing is though, is that he probably doesn't even like how the average woman is curvy anyway. Like he, what he wants is actually kind of like yeah. Kim Kardashian levels or something or Nicki Minaj. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just he he wants a curvy concept image. I would like to point out that the pursuit of unrealistic beauty girls by both women and men causes many psychological health issues and physical health issues every year, and it hurt and it hurts everybody having unrealistic representations of people's bodies in our media. I think part of the problem is, though, is that people like him—he um, probably, um, obviously, I don't know him. Mm. But chances are that this is from the school of thought um, where he dislikes um, kind of, say, for example, like black characters and can't relate to them or, you know, other other characters other than straight male, cis, oh, white. Well, the, 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 the Twitter thread where Bot, Boster, Botster, um, a.k.a. Lilith, uh, linked, you know, he talked about the uh, Reddit thread where mm-hmm. the uh, fan art originally appeared. As uh, someone put in the replies, uh, Ryan the Lion Tamer, um, um, our, cir- our gaming circle joke made a handy chart. Game is supreme logic. There are two sexes, male and political. Two sexualities, straight <laughs> and political. Two races, white and political. <laughs> So... Oh god, that is painfully accurate for a lot of these arseholes. Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just... Yeah. Um, but, I mean, rep- represent- this is... 
representation matters. Yeah. And the people that have been represented through virtually everything that's been created, um, you know, since fucking God knows when. Well, since the creation of mass media. Yeah. That like that you know those those male um, white guys. I mean, this is speaking as a male white guy. Um, so I I, I I realize that there are a lot of um, you know kind of people that I can look up to in 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 the media. Mm. I, I find myself represented a lot in the media. In, we're we're in pretty spoiled for choice. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's like oh, you don't really like you know Tony Stark as Iron Man. That's all right. You've got Captain Rogers, uh, you know, as uh, Captain America. That's fine. Um, yeah. Basically, I that understood that reference. Of, you know, sorry, I understood <laughs> that reference. But yeah, it, like other people don't necessarily have that. No. Well, one one of the things that always sticks in my mind was whenever this topic came up. And it would be, you know, wherever I was on, you know, on the interwebs. Um, It would always be, you know, I'd be saying, or I'd be agreeing, well, why can't you play a female character in in, in this? Or, you know, why does it have to be the default white guy again? Yeah. And they think, yeah, but, you know, if you want that, you can go play Beyond Good or Evil or, you know, one of the Tomb Raiders. And it's like, and name another one? Hmm. And they would be, that's not the point. And it fucking is the point, because if I'm looking for a Y guy protagonist for me to play in a game, I am spoiled for choice. Drowning, one well, might have say. dozens on my shelf, you know, right over there where I've got my, you know, 360 games and, you know, PS2 games. But, you know, when it comes to female, uh, you know, protagonists in it, you know, whether it's, um, you know, a preset one that you, you know, that's the character you play or not, um, Far fewer. But, I mean, bearing in mind that, I mean, these are just, in, in essence, kind of player avatars that you're yeah. playing as. It's, it's not as though, you know, you're kind of playing as a female character through her experience as a woman during the game. It's basically like you're playing as a female avatar who is plays identically to a male avatar. Yeah, but... but... Let's consider this. Go back to and, oh. unless you're Ubisoft, in which case, no. I mean, you know, everything's entirely different. It's too complicated to uh, <laughs> animate a female assassin until oh, recently. Lordy. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say with the Aloy situation, just looking at the, her the in-game stuff. Okay, her hair's actually unrealistic for post-apocalyptica. It does make sense that your hair would be growing out and stuff, but having long hair like that, as series like The Walking Dead have taught us over the years, having long hair, which like that can be a liability when you're trying to escape moors, especially when there's do. lots of um, moving gears in that world. Yeah. Also, unless she actually manages to wash it regularly, it's gonna formed into natural dreads at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Although, oh, could you imagine the response of these assholes to uh, a car- you know, a female character having dreads? Oh well, yeah, but then this is part of the issue as well. You got kind of like the racial element, which we, which we haven't even ta- t- really touched on here, which is the fact that most video games have got white male protagonists, mm-hmm. and then when they do have female protagonists, they're still often predominantly white. If it's a pre-done one, if it's pre-done, yeah, 
yeah. mean, even even like the character options, like you you kind of go on something like Mass Effect, and the hairstyles are predominantly white hairstyles. So if you actually do decide to play as a black female character, I, have you necessarily got you know? Well, there's no cornrows or anything usually available. <sighs> you know, if you wanted that, or a nice you know afro, or you know like. Yeah, 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 other other hairstyles. Uh, it's just like, and and also the shades of skin available. If you're sort of like the like the level of 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 blackness, or if there is even Asian options, like there's no real skin tone variety versus like the white options. Normally, it's usually quite lacking. So it's just like ah, so it's just one type of this color, or maybe two. It's yeah. uh yeah, there's there's not much variety there. And if so anyone every, points, everyone, it, points that out, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of people who will just absolutely lose their shit. I I I I, I very much realise that we're basically three English white people. That's kind of saying all this. That is very much white. Um, um, but being aware of the intersectionality is important, though. Yeah, and a lot of people wouldn't be. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Eloy, Eloy goes a lot of the way to just looking like a regular person, but I, I, I think, like, oh, that's the thing that annoys me about, or some of the stuff that annoys me about, like, console upgrade generations and, and things, mm. and it's like, oh yeah, like, we've got more power in that, and then the things we focus on are nothing about, like, really player choices. So you don't end up with like games where mm-hmm. still really where player choice massively impacts the narrative, or, you know, especially considering that a lot of games are doing in-game rendering from, like, just they're not doing, like, cinemas, cinematics are not, like, super high-end graphics these days. Mm. It's just what's available in-game. Mm. And it's like, right, so if that's the case, then surely we could just have character customization. Because you actually don't have to create mm. lots of cinema. The gra- you know, lots of cinematographics or whatever. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking people uh, looking how they've been chosen to look. Yeah, there, there are a few games where, um, you could, you know, wear different outfits, and of course, it comes to a pre-rendered video. Yeah, and of course, you're not wearing the same outfit, and then as soon as that ends, you're, you're back in your, you know, the outfit uh, that you chose. That reminds me of the um, alternate outfits for like Resident Evil Four. I was just thinking that, yeah. It was always so funny, like you sort of go from wearing Ashley's wearing armor and you're wearing like a freaking mobster outfit. And then um <laughs> Leon's back in his vest and in his regular trousers and his um gun holster and Ashley's in a ridiculous short skirt and sort of um sleeveless turtleneck thing. It's like yay. <laughs> it's almost a cross between actually a turtleneck and a tank top is strange. But anyway. Um, top. Apex Alpha J, you just kind of failed and you got massively ratioed. You did get quite a few likes and just plain old retweets. But all the replies are people being like, this is ridiculous. I mean, what, what, what was he trying to say to defend himself on this point? Um, 
A lot of butthurt um, people on here for opinion wanting to see more feminine women in video games where a female lead is presented. I thought freedom of speech existed in the United States. Wow, the word is far gone, followed by um <laughs> classic office gift by Lisa Bing. See, um, all I hear is a bunch of... With me, therefore, freedom of speech is over. Um, and then the classic, all I hear is a bunch of beta males on here. Very unfortunate. More butthurt, I suppose. I love feminine women and just want to see more of it. And it's just like... And also, the, you know, there's an element here of just like of trying to fucking police what is feminine, yeah, which is a freaking other issue. And it's just like stop policing gender representation that freaking much. A lot of people who were born as women and identify well were born as female and identify as women, or signed females birth, and were born and, and and now you know obviously present as women anyway. They have enough fucking struggles as it is if they want to look feminine. Mm-hmm. Versus, I mean, I know I struggle with uh, looking femme um, when I choose to, and it's really frustrating. Then you got like people who might be trans who want you know trans women who might want to look fem- more feminine than you, and and it's like you know, and and actually you know that they're passing as best they can. But yet they'll still get fucking it, you know, get it in the fucking neck if they haven't got the femininity up to some arbitrary goddamn level. And and that's the thing because you, we have seen that um, basically there are, there have been women that have been attacked for not looking feminine enough in women's bathrooms. Yes. Yeah. And that's just mind-boggling. That's like what? Yeah. Like that, these are the people that you're meant to be okay with, but because they don't look like you know your I- idea of what a woman looks like, that that the worthy of attack. What? Yeah. Mm. So, and and then of course conversely, you unfortunately you know have a situation where people who are uh, maybe been assigned male at birth or present as men, and 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 they're treated like shit by not looking masculine enough or something so you have you know like they haven't got loads of muscles or something and 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 and, and all this shit or um or especially perhaps even more so f- uh for men uh like their their voice isn't the right tone or something that can be a big one as well <laughs> body yeah. hair levels are for too much or too little um i r- ridiculous shit like that um and just can i just Len- speak length about- of hair Yes. I can speak personally to you know to can, that. Can I also? Uh, people delve, have been really weird about that. Yeah, but can I also just delve into the fact that he's basically referring to like alpha males and beta males? As oh god, yeah, those are real things. <laughs> it's like that they're, they're, they're not. Maybe he's three tweets away from saying sigma male as well. That that they're basically concepts that you know uh, people like him have come up with um, in order to try and feel superior to other men uh, the- and um basically to feel arrogant about basically being a bastard to women i kind of wish people like this who use the alpha beta terms like this to basically um allow for various forms of like sexism and bullshit to just kind of fly freely i really wish someday that they learn about the horrors for them it'd be horrors of um omegaverse and are eternally put off the use of terms <laughs> alpha beta and even considering things like omega at all um just just they're just too grossed out because I, they found out about the non-wolf wolf porn 
I I basically prefer that you know that you have alpha, beta, and then release candidate, <laughs> and you know final retail. Yeah, but this guy's a software dev. I think according to his like profile, so like um. It- According to his profile, yeah. According to his profile, so like I don't, I don't want him to ha- be dwelling on release candidates. I want him to be dwelling on the horrors well, of Omegaverse. I mean, quite frankly, he's a, if as he's a, a non-fan dev, he, surely he could just piss off and make his own fucking game. That's also then an he option. Can, you know, stick on as many curvy features as he fucking likes. Just piss off somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I could do. You see, the the thing is, he doesn't have to make his own game. He he can just piss off somewhere else. Yeah, I like that as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> he he probably can't do the former, but he can definitely do the latter. I think we've circled although, although, a lot of. Um, hang on, I, I will just um, did did I tweet at you the uh, Riker? Yes. Now see there there was a good use of um, you know that tweet. <laughs> Shall I describe or yes, please. do you want to? Oh, right. I... Um, yeah, it it was. Um, let's see. I will. I will go find. But it, there, it's... There's, there's some photo manipulation going on here, people. In, in case you're wondering, further photo manipulation in order for this post to be possible. There, right. I have found it. So, so you know, the original guy did the. Is it me or us? Blah 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 blah. And this replied, you go, is it me or does every lead male protagonist look feminine as hell? No muscles or soft, non-masculine features. Unlike the average man, pick from the game on the left, fan made on the right. Hiya, fans, lol. And the two pictures are, one is the, if you've ever seen a promo picture of Riker from Star Trek The Next Generation, where he's got his leg up and he's, you know, smiling at the, you know, at the camera. Um... Then they've got a hyper photo manipulated version where he's about twice as muscular. His uniform is, you know, absolutely feature hugging, so you can see every single line of these, um, you know, added muscles. His his jaw is about twice the size, and he just looks roided to hell. It's just, it, yeah. I, yeah. I just love it when when people absolutely drag something as stupid as this, and yeah, is you know the original bloke is oh yeah I've 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 triggered some libs with this, ah <laughs> yeah mate. But I mean it's it's kind of interesting because if you kind of look at you know the the um a lot of the conversation about um kind of so I remember. Gamergate when it was all about like oh you know kind of um what was it gaming uh journalists it was a ethics in video ethics game journalism video games journalism and it was yeah, basically which all is about, yeah. oh, let, let the devs do what you know do the artwork and what why you've got to criticize them and whatnot and whenever it's like a dev does something that they don't like like you know sticking in a playable female character or you know obviously this and it's always, you know, sort of going after the devs. Uh, it's just like I, I don't, I don't think you want the devs to be free to do what they want. I think you want the devs to do exactly what you want, and you're basically just using any argument to try and, you know, 
Yeah, and, yeah. and any developers that uh, made any reference to, um, say, Anita Sarkeesian, mm-hmm. or um, you know, lessons they can learn or improvements that they'll make, you know, in the future, they were torn apart. Whereas ev- every complete dick of a developer who said, "No, this is just blah blah blah,", blah um, they absolutely loved those. So it was like, "Oh yeah, objectivism." It's it's that you know, lift the the hood up in a Scooby Doo style, and you go, oh oh yeah, subjectivism. It was but, you all along. Yeah, and it 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 kind of just. It's blatantly obvious to everybody when you make an argument for something like trust the devs, do the art, and you know make the game that they want to make, and then they immediately afterwards go, "No, no, we didn't mean that. We, we don't yeah. want the devs to do that." Like, it, uh, yeah, make up your fucking the, mind. These assholes are always so painful. It's not even making up your fucking mind. It's basically like everybody can see that you've used a disingenuous argument. Yeah. I think I'm going to move a song because we could be moaning about this for ages and the moors of all this kind of thing. And the not wankers. Moors. Yeah, wankers, um, incels. Um, anyway. So, because it's been a while, uh, we're going to do a bit of what we've been up to. Uh, I'm sorry, everybody, but I got a long list. I got a long list. How much of it is supernatural? How much of it is Hannibal? (laughs) Okay, no supernatural. Okay. One Hannibal, but not what you'd expect. Okay. 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 Everybody okay Okay. with that? Yeah? Okay. No, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, but Paul needs more alcohol, apparently. Um... Okay, so um, Top out. the Hannibal thing, because you've decided to bring that up, um, is I'm it's currently my fault. Re- I'm currently reading Hannibal for Dinner, which is a collection of essays on America's favorite cannibal on television that came out earlier this year. It's like a academic essays book, basically um, like dissecting um, Hannibal, um, the character but specifically Hannibal from the TV show, with sometimes references across the various essays um, to Hannibal from the novels and the films. And it's good reading. It's slow reading because it's like proper academic-y kind of written stuff, which means there's way too much passive voice, uh, not enough active and very long-winded sentences whilst trying to drag in bits of theory. But overall, I'm actually... I bet there aren't even any recipe listings. There really aren't. Um, one friend said to me <laughs> that they really thought the book cover was amazing. It's like it was like it was made. You know, it was like the photo that they used for the book cover. The image is like just made for this book. And um, basically, it's a plate with a bloodied heart on it and a knife and fork either side. Um. It actually, apparently, looking at the back, it was a Shutterstock image that got edited into a cover. So it's like someone had supplied on Shutterstock, like apparently the most perfect image ever for a Hannibal um, analysis book. I want to point out this is the third Hannibal book I've got. I've got two others kicking about. I can't remember the titles off to read sometime. Slightly shorter okay. ones. So anyway, so that that's the Hannibal connection. Um, I've also been reading 
bit less actually you know what less academic sound like the language is a bit more engaging and there's still an academic text i've been reading me not you by alison phipps i think it's yes um and um basically it's a a look at um the problem with white feminism um or most mainstream feminism is unfortunately white feminism um and and how it is not intersectional and it creates many many problems and, and basically what other types of feminism actually do do and, and knowledge and the things it proposes and the problems essentially with white led mainstream feminism um i mean i'd imagine that would be a certain amount of classism in there as well. oh yeah like it's a lot of bourgeois as well so like if you're like what white white feminism is essentially incredibly bourgeois it's pretty much straight um and uh, any form of other diversity that you could have, you know, obviously like race or disabilities or class, et cetera, et cetera, like it's not there. Um, whereas other forms of feminism from other groups have tended towards, including especially black feminism, um, indigenous feminism and others have tended towards like that intersexual element that there is more Mm -hmm. than just gender that affects people and the ability to gain true equality or equity so that's been an interesting read and i'm like several chapters into that um on the getting away from the um academic side of things um so i started reading a fan translation of the boys love novel Heaven, heaven officials' blessing, which is. Do you know what that what that is the basis of? What that what is based on that? No. Freaking Untamed is based on that. Aha! What's Untamed again? It's a Chinese it, TV it, series. Yeah, it's the magical sort of a kind of boy romance. It's it's never explicitly said because it's on mainstream Chinese TV. You can't do so anything. They're, they're not going to, but yeah, they're um they're the bestest of chums. They're very close men, men's men, etc. It's it's just you, you know it, you can see it. It's right there. At least I think I'm right. Am I wrong? I could be wrong. Let me just check a minute because I had so many recommendations thrown at me uh, recently because a friend's been trying to get me into it. Um, they're saying I just got to double check this I could have got it all wrong now um, music by? Uh, yes it is it is the basis for the Untamed um, the novel's written by uh, Mozing uh, Mo, uh, Mozang sorry Mozang or Mozing uh, Tongzin um uh, but it's a fan translation that I'm reading, so it hasn't been officially translated from Chinese into English. Um, and at over 800,000 words in the fan translation, it might not be anytime soon. It's a very long book. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, I don't know personally anything about how Chinese literature or like fiction handles things like point of view for characters and, and stuff like that and um, tenses and things. And I, I mean, kudos to the fans that pulled the translation together. 
but it is really tough going. Um, that it's like written in kind of like a form of. It's like a form of third person that's like a little bit hard to get into. But I, I will have to check with my sister-in-law. I know she's she's read mm. um, a translation. I don't know whether it will be the same. It's probably going to be the same one. Um, but yeah, she, she said that the TV series, which she's a big fan of, is definitely better in a lot of ways, but in some ways the source material is also better yeah i I might obviously still watch the untamed afterwards but i got put on to reading the actual novel first basically if there was an official i I would actually recommend it if there was an official english translation of the novel i might give it a look it'd be interesting to see if it's actually any cop um but the thing is, is that stuff can happen with... Uh, it's like something that happens with anime a lot so from Japan. It's like the the uh, translate... Like the fan subs mm-hmm. often pick up on nuances that get lost in the English... So get lost in... Um... Official English sub translation into subs or dubs. Um, or... Um, kind of like all the English dubs or subs decide to add in details that weren't actually there originally in the anime. Yeah. I so- I read a thread on um, Twitter recently about this where it was a translator talking about um, a turn of phrase which was used in a recent anime and a lot of fans were trying to, you know, were saying that, you know, it shouldn't be there. It, it stuck out like a sore thumb. And this translator was saying, yes, but if you're trying to translate from one language language and culture into another, you you kind of have to um, take into account what the original was trying to go for. Yeah. Mm. And I think it it was because... uh, a character was speaking... in a very specific way that the character was speaking... And some of the other characters commented on it, and you know they said it was you know in some way you know inappropriate you know because of this, and the English translation basically said, um, you know you sound cringe, <laughs> and it's just I recoil at that, but I see what they're going for because it it was basically you know um, the character was speaking in a, um, kind of infantilized way that you know they shouldn't have been speaking in and mm. that was you know that was what was commented and it's just yeah i can understand the you know the angles but it's just can we avoid using cringe unsure yeah um so aside from um heaven officials blessing and reading that uh, I'm also reading, I've got a lot of stuff that I'm reading bits of at the moment at a time. Uh, Black Sunday by Thomas Harris. Okay, technically a Hannibal collection, but <laughs> Thomas Harris is the creator of Hannibal Lecter. However, this is actually Harris's first novel that has nothing to do with fictional Hannibal. Um, Black Sunday is about a uh, eminent uh, terrorist attack on US soil and was originally published in 1975. Hmm. Um, so it's yeah, sort of uh, uh, sort of thriller basically, um, and uh, I'm enjoying it so far. Maybe there's a bit of um, stereotyping that 
hasn't aged well, but at the same time, it's far more nuanced than other stereotyping I've seen from the time. Especially on some racial stuff and ethnic stuff and religious stuff. So could be worse. Yeah. But it, it, it's kind of, well, it could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly for its time, it could be worse. And for now, it could be worse. Um, I mean, so, it's, yeah. it's always kind of a case of you kind of have to, well, I suppose you don't have to, but it's best kind of reading it as if it's from its time. I would but... say, I would say, like, he's done a pretty reasonable job. Um, I'm looking for. I've got another one of his novels that has nothing of Hannibal to read afterwards as well. Uh, I finally finished watching Homeland. Finished season eight, man. Oh, oh. did they get home? <laughs> um, ho- did they land? Holy effing feck. If you've got the opportunity to watch Homeland all the way through from seasons one to eight, you, you really should. Um, I think it's probably one of the best series of like that the, 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 this part of the, you know, the last couple of decades, basically. Mm. Um, it's just generally well, like stuff going on. Like sometimes it managed to surprise me, which for thrillery type things doesn't happen very often. Um, and the finale, uh, like, ended. Re- I just don't want to spoil it. I mean, it only came out last year as well. So, um, yeah, the, the finale ended with stuff happening that I couldn't, I didn't realize was going to happen. And it was just so, so satisfying. And also harked back to a lot of elements that have happened in our own real world. When you say harked back, do you mean like. Like, were a metaphorical representation of or maybe allegory or something um so yeah so homeland is worth watching from beginning to end um i started a replay of death stranding because i've decided i want to write a nice long ass essay on it which i might record an audio version of as well um and i now have some notes that are burgeoning and a lot of screenshots uh, saved. Um, I also have two novels based on the game to read as well. Uh, so I might be might be picking those up as well uh, to uh, before I write an actual essay. Aside from my notes, my notes were already about as long as an essay. Um, uh, I don't know what it is about that game, but it's it's given me some serious brain worms since I finished playing it earlier this year. And I, I the last time this happened was kind of, with a game for me was Bioshock Infinite, and I had to exercise that from my head by writing a long essay back in twenty thirteen. So yeah. Death Stranding's getting the same treatment, only it's a longer game, um, and so it's going to get a bigger essay. It's also just more going on because it's like far more open world, um, and has side quests and things. Anyway, it's Death Stranding. Um, and we got Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which I'm playing with Paul, in the sense that I'm playing it, what Paul's about, um, and we're on, currently on Mass Effect. And you know what? Yeah. Considering that we're recording this on the first day of Pride Month, I want to bring up right now that it has far fewer uh, queer relationships than I remember. And I'm not saying that um, that that's something that's happened. I'm saying that I, uh, for some reason, I had it in my head because it's been a few years now since I played it that there was there was more opportunities to be queer in the game. No, no, there there, there aren't, um, and it's actually quite limiting in some ways. 
Though I did see today a headline suggesting that um, some fans have been making uh, some mods, at least for the PC version, where you can bring back, because there are, for some of the characters, mm-hmm. there were queer uh, romance plots um, originally. originally in the first game. But yeah. I, I mean, I remember um, like uh, hearing about some, I think it might have been like Fox TV or whatnot, um, where they kind of bring up uh, Mass Effect for like um, basically sex in games, as though it's like some weird dirty yeah. kind of thing. And it's yeah, it's I like, remember that. <sighs> it's it's just because it like, was like in a in a it's a sex simulator game, and it's like the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I think I remember having to cover stories around that. But and it's, they, it's, it's like, it, it's kind I, of I remember they. Yeah, they they even had a, a games journal on, and you know when they started talking about it and describing what they had read from you know various bullshitters about what you could do and what was in the game, and he said you know basically none of that is in the game. That's bollocks. Mm. They cut his mic. Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, that's that's Fox News for you. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, mean, I, I still remember, what was it? Uh, might have been Grand Theft Auto 3 or 4, where there was like a the scene hot, that was... The hot coffee instant. Yes. Uh, yes that was three? Where um, you basically had content that was cut from the game, but still technically on the disc. And so hackers, let's say hackers, obviously um, kind of people that kind of looked at the... the the, the code on the uh, on the uh, on the disc files. itself um, basically managed to uh, kind of figure out how to play that scene, and then there was like a big hoo ha about you know oh GTA is you know kind of what is it uh, allowing people to basically get with hookers or something like that. I can't something exactly. ridiculous like that yeah but it, and it's like you have to hack the game to do that though yeah but shut up. <laughs> Um, and it, then... it, 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 it basically it boils down to every single games journal that they have talking about things like this, you know, any controversy with the game will always mm. say, I used to play Pac-Man and that, when did games change um, in the intervening 40 years I mean Lord, that's when Lord, they changed Lord forbid they discover other things going on in other media types um, yeah, it it it's like you know it's it's like so I remember going to see the first movie and it was a train coming into a station and people getting <laughs> off and uh, all of a sudden the Star Wars what happened is it well I mean like it's not even like classic literature's got like sauciness or anything in it it's not like <laughs> I mean God there are some risque moments in Gulliver's Travels. If you read like the actual version, not the stupid one that tends to get given to kids, that's like actually slightly edited. Um, it gets really, woof. really, oh, yeah, like not full on sex, but there's some really um, spicy moments in it. Um, actually, for dear Gulliver, like circle jerking or something, not that level. Okay, but more, more like um, oh, he is a giant on he, one he, island, if you know he, what I mean. There's that, but then when he's um tiny on the other island he ends up if i remember rightly when i was reading it he ends up very intimately close with some giant ladies oh my like around the chest area oh my bosom pals you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> um you, you go from freaking like girls of travels which is like maybe like 
50 it's less than 100 years after the first novel because i think the first novel's really considered to be uh thingies is it robertson crusoe um and then from that and then, and then you leap onto things like you've got like next century you've got like freaking like Gustav Flaubert or something like freaking the Madame Bovary or something. It's just like it, it does make me wonder though because obviously like with Shatley's lover and you'll have oh. like you'll have like damage around the paused areas. That's my, most you know kind of most pores. Yeah, uh, which is usually risque. Whether they would have like the equivalent in like novels where they're like you know kind of oily fingerprints on like certain. Well, it be it won't be that. It'll be cracks, really cracked yeah, spines. Yeah. So basically, whenever you drop the book, the the pages will you know for for and, and it will fall open yeah. the raunchiest part every <laughs> freaking time. That explains it. That explains it when my parents walk in and it's always landing on that page. No, I'm just kidding about that bit. But. So the dictionary always lands on the later entries for F. <laughs> um, okay, that's that's enough of that. And then the one last thing I've been up to, I started listening to um, a new podcast, uh, uh, Sundown Promises, um, mm-hmm. which is a Last of Us podcast, which considering my strange relationship with that game series is surprising, I know, but it's by the same people who do the Hannibalism podcast. Um, uh uh-huh. And it's genuinely actually quite good. You know, them doing their in-depth analysis thing. Only this time they don't care about spoilers, so they do refer to stuff that's in like later in the game or games, basically. Um, so so I've been enjoying when, that. When you said there was one thing that was Hannibal related, it's actually three <laughs> things which are Hannibal related. That's what I'm going to start finding. That's what Emily does. She promises yeah. one things and delivers three things. <laughs> Sneak it in there. <laughs> It's, it's like me saying, none of the things I've been doing are nerdy. Here are the things I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Paul, what have you been up to? Okay, so we watched uh, the new Mortal Kombat film uh, that has recently been, like this year, has been uh, launched. And I can't help but obviously kind of compare it to the original Mortal Kombat film uh, that was ninety six or something. All I remember is that you helped me do um, stuff for a uh, presentation on it at uni. That's true. That's true. Um, so yeah, I, I it was definitely enjoyable. Um, it obviously set itself up for uh, like the beginning of like a series of films. Mm. Um. You had kind of characters that weren't specifically in the original Mortal Kombat film, so they've they've kind of mixed the um, the the mythology a bit, which is you know it still kind of works because the mythology mythology of um, Mortal Kombat is kind of a bit all over the place anyway. Um, I'd, I'd actually, I'll I'll just nip in here, you know, a little bit of trivia here. Did you know that? Part of Mortal Kombat was actually based on a Scandinavian church song. When you say part of the more part of Mortal Kombat, yeah, it's based on the Finnish hymn. God damn it! Get <laughs> <laughs> that one. Yes, yeah, fatality. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it, that that was a terrible joke that I picked up from a jib, and it's like, oh, it's, he's talking about Mortal Kombat. I have got to, I have got to get this in. <laughs> I will now shut up again. <laughs> okay. 
But um, yeah, it's, it's got. Um, it kind of focuses um, on uh, kind of Sonya, um, Scorpion's descendant, um, and kind of several other kind of char- uh, characters like Jax and whatnot. So it's. Yeah, it, it definitely kind of feels like it's uh, trying to. It, rather than kind of following the. You know, basically the progression of the games where you had basically mm. a pretty much a formal tournament with you know basically seven you know kind of main uh, fighters. Um, it, it kind of switches it up immediately. Uh, so you, you, even though you kind of get Sonya and Liu Kang, you also get Kung Lao, which actually in the games appears in like you know Mortal Kombat uh, two. Uh, but you also uh, get um, what was it? I think it was the Bug Lady from uh, the later Mortal Kombat's. I can't remember what her name is. The bug lady. Yeah. I can't either. I'm I'm, I'm only familiar with Mortal Kombat up until about Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. And then at that point, I just stop. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It, it it definitely kind of mixes stuff up, and um, there there kind of is a period of time where it's like Earth Realm warriors versus kind of you know Outworld and whatnot, um, and you know you kind of have like Kano and Sonya working on the same side, and it's like what, which is you know an interesting kind of twist on stuff, um, and I think yeah I think it's kind of a fairly decent you know kind of one. Um, so, because you, you get like, uh, I think it was at least Kung Lao's fate, uh, fate, one of Kung Lao's fatalities from the game, which is basically mm. where he, um, kind of throws his hat onto the ground, um, it lands vertically and basically carries on spinning. So it's kind of almost like a, um, a saw. Uh, and then he kind yeah. of grabs, um, you know, kind of, uh, his opponent and basically just kind of pulls, um, pulls them, um, pretty much like sawing them in half which is kind of very brutal it was uh, one of the fatalities in uh, one of the games at least i can't remember which one it is possibly several actually um and it appears in this film and it's it's like actually kind of interesting it's it's um doing things i wouldn't expect it to Hmm. which is kind of a good thing um but yeah like i said it kind of moves away from its original mythos but it still works i feel and you actually have a story where it's like sub sub zero versus scorpion as well which is which is really good mm. because the original mortal kombat film they were basically you know they didn't even meet and then like in the second mortal kombat film uh which is mortal kombat annihilation there was kind of a brief period where i think they may have fought a little bit, and that's it. And there was kind of yeah. no real kind of backstory to that. Whereas I, I was surprised games... that Mark Kermode liked it on the you know the film oh, review, did. and yeah, yeah, he did. Oh, interesting. <laughs> uh, he, um, yeah, uh, I have to say, I've never seen the Mortal Kombat film. Fair enough. I mean, it's. Uh, I would say that. It... <sighs> To a certain extent, I think it takes itself possibly a little bit too seriously. Um, arguably. But this this new film, I think it has more comedic moments to a certain extent. But they still kind of work within the main narrative. Yeah. 
and you've actually got Raiden played by, you know, not Christopher Lambert. Yeah, that that was one of the things I remember about the original one, seeing the trailers, and it's just Christopher Lambert. On, no, really? I mean, there can be only one. Oh, God. Sorry. <sighs> there's new Hi- Yeah, but I think there's new Highlander being made, isn't there, as well? Yeah, with Henry Cavill. Yeah. Apparently. Which sounds interesting. Anyway, um, also I watched Army of the Dead. Um, no. And we're, we're on Netflix. And it was a case of, like, we're, you know, kind of... Uh, eh, Zack Snyder... Uh, uh, so we decided to kind of watch it, and then we started kind of hearing bad stuff, you know, about it. We were thinking of then not and, watching it. Yeah, but then we were like, well, we're never actually going to truly know unless we watch it ourselves. So we ended up watching it. Um, um, <laughs> it's a bit of a... <laughs> it's a film. It's, it, is, it is definitely a film. It's yeah. definitely there. It's definitely a film. I think my favourite uh, parts of it was basically anything with Tignataro in, because she's awesome. Mm. Um, and I, I, I did see a few discussions of uh, of her, and you know, basically, you know, why isn't Tignataro in every film? <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. Um, so it is a heist zombie movie where Cause... the zombies aren't quite zombies. Um, so I, I mean, so I was ready to forgive that because obviously you can have, you know, zombies that move you know, quite fast and whatnot, like in 28 days later, which technically isn't a zombie film because we'll they're see. not zombies. Um, but they do actually refer to them as zombies in there. I was like, okay, well, obviously, you know, the mythos is different. To, well, you know. we'll see also as first zombies. Yes, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, it's, I think, I think Zack Snyder has something about zombie babies. Yeah, it's getting fucking disturbing at this point. I know it's only been two incidents, but it's fucking disturbing and he needs to stop. Oh, what's that meme? If I had a nickel for every time it happened, I'd have two nickels, which is, you know, not many, but it's still weird that's happened twice. It's it's still twice too many. I mean, technically, you could even make the, the, the loose suggestion that in Batman v Superman, he also perhaps does it a bit as well. Was it Batman v Superman or Justice League? The fucking trying to rebirth shit. Was that Justice League? Rebirth? The whole thing with Superman coming back to bloody life Justice League then that was in Justice League it all blends together at this point yeah um like Is that, that was I also have seen Justice weird. League but honestly can't remember it um the only um okay that there are two zombie there, there are two zombie films now by Zack Snyder essentially though and this is not the good one Dawn oh. of the Dead remake is the good one this is not the good one everybody <laughs> So yeah, obviously you have kind of the the, the heist, as it were. Um, you have um, uh, what's his what's his name? But Batista. The, yeah, Dave Batista. Yeah. Um, who you know he's got a reasonable dude, as far as I could tell. Yeah. He's, um, he seems fairly cool. Yeah. 
Um, and, um, you know, because you kind of see him in stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy and it's like, you know, kind of muscular guy and whatnot, but he seems mm. quite short. And then in this film is like, I don't know whether it's just the way that they shoot it, but he seems like really kind of tall and muscular. So, it, yeah, kind of weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they kind of get um, basically a group of people with a particular set of skills together um, for this heist. Um, without thinking that, oh, they're going into basically zombie territory, and maybe um, you shouldn't have just one guy that can, you know, unlock the vault, or one person that can actually, you know, fly them away from the scene. Single points of failure are bad for heist plans. Uh, well, especially in a zombie movie. Yeah, like the worst case that was going to happen to somebody in Ocean's Eleven is people get arrested, essentially. Yeah, yeah. In this, I mean, if obviously the, the the film is written, so you know, there's kind of you know no uh, changing it, I suppose, in certain respects. Um, but if that pilot would have died, um, like at you know once they'd kind of got in, they would have had no way out. If that um, the, um, the unlocker guy, that's safe. Yeah, the safe cracker dude. Yeah, if he would have died before that that they had reached the safe. The entire mission would be pointless. Okay. It, it kind of feels like, well, I mean, it suffers from what you know Snyder does with directing, which is basically focus on epic moments rather than actually trying to tell a cohesive story. Can we also consider the fact that the characters kept making very poor decisions, despite the fact that they were also doing all of this in a apocalyptic scenario with um, a, a deadline um, and they've been living with these creatures being a thing in their lives for over a year by the point of the film mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like everyone keeps making really stupid decisions even though you've all been living with this possibility for some time Hmm? I mean, in some yeah. respects, it's it's kind of um, one of the few zombie films where uh, basically you have zombies that are actually still contained within an area and the rest yeah. of the world is kind of relatively normal-ish. Well, I remember sort of like at the opening of the films and when we saw, because I didn't realise ahead of time that it, it basically happens in Vegas. Hmm. Um, or Las Vegas. Um and I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually a pretty good place to have a zombie apocalypse because you can contain that because it's a valley, <laughs> basically, uh, pretty much. Like, there's like, like you take certain measures, you can deal with that. Um, but also, I, I realized early on what was going to be involved in, in handling that situation in the long term, which I'm not going to spoil, but um, you learn about it pretty early on, to be fair. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of easy to guess how how would you deal with a contained long term, long contained long term issue of a zombie apocalypse? Well, it's not get them tea and cake. I tell you that now. Where the hell did tea and cake come from? For I don't know because I was just thinking about tea and cake a minute ago, and I was just like, oh, you want some tea and cake? That's what. It yeah, is. but it's too late for tea and cake. Oh, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Actually, don't have any cake, do we? We could probably make some if we really wanted to. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so Army of the Dead, um, kind of, 
I'm glad that I watched it myself because there's nothing worse than hearing about basically how sucky a film is and then you actually being morbidly curious about it. And and then not knowing the truth. Yeah. Um, and you don't know whether it's basically just, you know, people don't like it because, you know, this reason or that reason that you'd actually be okay with. Yeah. But, yeah. It's 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 a movie. Better zombie films or heist films are available. Yes. Yeah. I mean, in terms of kind of the combination of the zombie and heist, um, very few the, available. Yeah, yeah, very few available. Um, in fact, I can't even think of a single one really. Does the end? Does the ending act of like some Wobble Z count as a heist film? <sighs> World War Z. Um, when they're in the Who location in Wales. No. Well, then I there's de- then yeah. there's definitely no combo. Well, no, because it's not mm. even a heist in the original, like Dawn of the Dead or the remake, when they managed to get into the ball and I mean, stuff. Zombieland isn't. Re- yeah. That's more of a rescue mission rather than a heist. Yeah. So, I mean, a heist involves kind of. Literally, kind of a, hi- a, hi- a heist, as Rick and Morty told us, has certain elements, and technically, this film had pretty much, I think, if not mm. all of those elements. Because mm. you're, you're literally kind of building a team for specific tasks, and there's also certain plot twists that have to happen. Yes, yes, and, and that, that I think that's the ultimate irony of um, Army of the Dead is that basically it sets up this heist. And if you've watched any heist films, uh, you know that things go wrong with the plan, but the plan still works out. This is kind of the opposite to that, where, you know, everything goes to plan, but it doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. I love it when a plan comes together. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 I see the thing that's on the final bit of your bit of the list. Yeah, which is Star Trek, the original series. We're still slowly making our way through it. We started season two. Yes, yes, we have check. Well, we have Chekhov. We we have seen Chekhov. Uh, Chekhov heard with him his briefly. Vessels. Sorry, heard him briefly. Yes, yeah. I mean, it was fairly briefly, um, and he he seemed quite a little bit sarky. That's good. Needs yeah. some sake to deal with bloody Kirk. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I found interesting was that the uh, the first episode of season two is the iconic um, Ponfar and Spock episode. Ah, the, the one that got the infamous write-up, which was um, Spock is overcome with a, uh, a powerful meeting urge and nearly kills Captain Kirk. Yes. It's um, like, oh, the birth of fanfic. Yes. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I, I, I had observed shippy moments in season one, but that obviously was like the... That that clearly um, uh, opened the floodgates. Mm. Uh, and um, I, I happened to... Um, catch uh shared on some uh group chat that i'm on uh somebody just happened to share recently the um there's a out there in the world is a fan vid made many moons ago um of that kind of uses the premise of this episode plus cuts between other episodes and porn 
with a nice sepia toning kind of aged oh, film going oh, on. All I'm set to the a tiny bit of it, but yeah, yeah, uh, set set to the music of uh, Closer by Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> it's a film that is purely about sex between Kirk and Spock. It's very angry and sexy at the same time. Yeah, logical. I, mean, I, I think many people have probably um, kind of questioned what genitalia of different uh, aliens in Star Trek okay. are like. So, once upon a time, in a galaxy far, far away, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the wrong franchise. I know. <laughs> I happened to stumble across in the early days of. Web 2.0, no, it's before Web 2.0, Web 1.5, early days of like 95, 2000 fanfic, when I had no right to be reading something like this. And it's probably one thing which probably stopped me going near fanfic until I was an adult again. Uh, I stumbled across a uh, Spock and Kirk story somewhere on the internet. I wasn't even looking for it. I was just like, I don't know what community I was in. I was in some freaking geek community, stumbled across it. Um, and it involved so Spock had this internalized penis that would come out of like an internal sheath area on his body and then basically inflate and and it was green or something and green stuff came out of it because obviously <laughs> they have green blood and it's just like what. I mean, just personally when, speaking, when if was, when Emily you was know, if, if red that, stuff came out, I then. Mean, um, it would be that would be you know like there will be lots of screaming there will be immediate you know NHS. But 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 I mean like when Emily was describing that and she would, she was making the gestures of like coming out and it's just like my face looking more and more horrified. That's how the thing describes it. <laughs> Um, but, I didn't. I didn't read fanfic again for probably like then, like about another what twenty years. But I tell you what, though, I feel like Spock has some more masculine features over Kirk. Well, in that fan vid, it was definitely Spock who was oh, the Spock is the top. top. Spock was definitely top in that fan vid. I can't remember. On, can't remember fanfic on, to say. On fard. Yeah. But I can't remember what the fanfic is. It's literally that long ago. Like, I must have stumbled into something like a freaking forum or something. Must have been. God, the worlds of the internet. I mean, to be fair, you can stumble onto even worse these days. I mean, that's pretty freaking tame by fanfic standards. I've I've, I've mentioned the the weird Voyager fanfic that had the um. Seven of Nine's nanites inflating her uh, breasts. Yes, yes, you've said about that. Because you know it, it was just, what the fuck am I reading? You know what, I've, I, I've seen some very delightful fan art of um, Garrick and Bashir over the past year. Delightful. Yeah. And hot as hell. Um, but, um, yeah, I can only appreciate that now. I couldn't have appreciated it. When I accidentally stumbled across Pomfar fanfic of <laughs> Kirk and Spock. I mean, nothing's actually explicitly said about like Vulcans and, well, I suppose even interracial or extra, I suppose extra racial? Extra racial, yeah. Yeah. I mean, let alone like xenobiology. I mean, male, male. I mean, to be fair, like obviously, like Spock's half human, so we know. Something happened there, but yeah, 
the like and the, and there's no sort of like mention made of whether or not they can have make kids basically you know reproduce outside of the pom period of pomfa like is it kind of like it just so happens that it you're extra virile at that time or something or yeah i mean that that's obviously something that they don't really go into but i mean i would imagine not because i mean if you think about it that means that falcons would only reproduce like every you know within like a, a period of seven years if they could if they only had like you know a small time to kind of do it as it were it's every, it's every seven years isn't it i think Yes, but I mean, like, you know, if if there was, and, and uh, they are very quite long lived in comparison. If, if you had it so that they could only reproduce at pon far, then that means that there'll be like, you know, mind you, the, the, there'll be seven year gap between, you know, but they're longer lived than humans. And then the question also then happens: Well, what happens with Romulans? <laughs> do what? Do they have an equivalent, or does it actually go far more smoothly? Because you know they're in touch with this shit. So to speak. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not really kind of explored. Um, exactly. But I mean, I'm sure someone has. So you never know. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's just the way that it was um, originally described in the episode, where it was like, if Spock doesn't get to mate, or to mate, he'll which die. Obviously, he doesn't in the in the episode anyway. He will die, or he may die. No, it's just just a bit ridiculous. Just say like, what. So, so basically, we're, we're having to divert the Enterprise to Vulcan in order to get my friend here laid. I mean, to fair, the, 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 we've the got op- a horny logic lad on board. The introduction of Pomfar to the concept of to, to the to the ideas being put together by fandom at the time. I mean, if you think about it, surely Pomfar is actually a very early precursor to Omegaverse because Omegaverse. Most Omegaverse says on the fact of having heats. And if rust. you must. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the way that it was described in the episode is a bit like the your Earth salmon. Yeah, spawning season. Spawning season and need requiring to go back to you know your origin point or else you'll die. There, there will be somewhere a thick where. Uh, Spock comes out the worst when he's pounced upon by a bear. (laughs) You see what I did there? Yeah. Is the bear Scotty? It might be. Maybe it's um, Bones. There's a reason he's got that name. Mm. (laughs) I think it's Carl... Carl Urban's Mm. version of Bones. Hmm. Anyway... Is is that is that our? I mean, also the 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 concept of basically having um, the Enterprise, who's on a five year mission, and you have a first officer who has like a seven year cycle that se- happens yeah, to kick seven in. Seven year cycle that you sh- surely should have had the mathematical kind of capabilities to go. You know what? I'm not going to go on this mission. Oh, it it's. It's kind of, I, it, it's. I mean, yeah, it's just done because they can say, well, you know, here's what happens with the Vulcans because if they're so logical, then you know, how do they stop logicking? I mean, the, you know, the... for long enough to continue as a species, and um, but it, you know, there's that. But yeah, it, it's kind of 
one of the beginnings of um, Spock simply, or Vulcans in general, simply not mentioning things because they don't think they're relevant mm. for the moment. You know, that happens quite a lot, doesn't it? It's a convenient plot device, one might say. Mm. Yeah, it is, but I mean, it, I mean, it kind of becomes a, you know, it's, it's yeah. a, you know, Vulcans cannot lie, but they they can. Mm. Manipulate the logic. Manipulate the truth, yeah. Um, but it, it's kind of. I think it's just the, the because Star Trek has always been something that has always been um, consistent, uh, or fe- at least it felt consistent when I was growing up with you know kind of uh, Star Trek Next Generation, DS Nine, and Voyager, and whatnot. Um, you know, th- uh, regular thing things kind of happened. Like, say for example, um, what was it? The Vulcan officer on uh, Voyager. Um, in fact, both the uh, the engineering one that's that was under Torres and mm. um, Tuvok both um, basically had Ponfar mm. going on. Yeah. So there, there is that yeah. kind of we remember it from you know before. So and you know you've kind of had that sense of continuity throughout all of the seasons, but it kind of seeing the origins of it and kind of seeing how you know kind of. I suppose by the skin of their teeth, they you know kind of wrote this stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of yeah. interesting. It's 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 like it's 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 incredibly loose in comparison to what I expect, uh, expected. It's it's they yeah. I mean, there's there's a whole thing that a lot of it was just they you know they would come up with stories, hmm. and then um, well I've, you know I've said previously that um, after filming the initial pilot the cage mm-hmm. uh you know the studio you know made him retool the series so it was a bit more actiony yeah, yeah. and then as each season progresses uh gene roddenberry had less and less control and his mm. people had less and less control and you can really see it by the third season but yeah you can see you know all these things being you know just we'll do an episode with this and then of course when it became big in syndication they started doing novels and you know blah 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 and things had to be laid down so it's a little bit like um doc you know doctor who just made stuff up as it went along and then they had yeah. to like you know deal with that in later things because they they were making it by you know as you say you know by the skin of their teeth but, I mean, and they it kept being successful, so they had to kind of make sense of it all. But I mean, it's it kind of feels a bit like my approach to D and D as well, where you you kind of uh, you kind of uh, take certain things that's kind of interesting, and then you just kind of expand on them and kind of run with them and see where they mm. go, type thing. Um, but yeah, it's like the earlier seasons; they kind of didn't really kind of connect very much with each other, as it were. Yeah. Um, and well, yet people, I've... but also what about people then complain about, complained enough about the appearance of Klingons in the original series that they had <sighs> to have an explanation written in for why they looked different later on and it had nothing to do with A, you know, writing or B, you know, the availability of prosthetics at the time. Just yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's because they... it was a TV series made in the 1960s, for God's sake. Yes. Yeah. But but then, you know, it's like uh, when it kind of comes to Discovery and whatnot, it's like, oh, they're, they're redesigned, they're playing your time. Oh, my God, this is a tragedy. <laughs> it's just yeah. like the, 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 the Klingons have been redesigned many times. 
were you like when um next generation first came on and you had you know kind of war fun i mean what did people were like this is a proper star trek that's not a klingon the klingons they are did. like the, you know human but you know with uh with fake tan and you know pointy beards they, they did have the advantage with the klingons that they had rejigged the look of them that's in the true. movies that's true so that was kind of you know in fitting with with them because uh, although, even though I thought the Klingon makeup in Next Generation was better than the mm. Klingon makeup in the movies, because it was more sort of ridgy. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you had like stuff like uh, DS9, which expanded so much on like the prosthetics and whatnot, you know, because you had, you know, main characters that were, you know, sort of like uh, Cardassian and kind of Klingon and Majoran. And, you know, it kind of felt like it was a more alien place which was just really worked very well and you had you know that's when it kind of delved into the subtleties of the characters versus their you know kind of racial origins and whatnot yeah you know and yeah ds9's fantastic show (laughs) but yeah anyway i think i think we are all certified ds9 fans I, I mean, I think so. I know that Emily did start, you know, kind of watching it after we watched the um, uh, What You Leave Behind one. No, is it What You Leave Behind? The documentary. Yeah. Mm. The, the, um... Um, so, yeah, yeah, and Emily kind of wanted to watch DS9, and we did kind of go through the first um, three seasons worth of it, or at least... You know the episodes where I was like, you know what, this one's an important episode. Let's stick this on. Yeah, it was. We could get back to it sometime, but it's really mm. hard to because of the. I can never remember the different the storytelling where you have a different thing of the week rather than continue. Um. Oh yes. Uh. So. Um. Oh, it's not serialized. It's, it's episodic. Yeah, episodic. That's one. The episodic yeah. storytelling. Uh, well. So, what you prefer that, or do you you prefer the the uh, the overarching arcs? I prefer overarching arcs because DS Nine was like the first show where start- yeah, but it's a bit of a slog to get to the point where it starts doing it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty yeah. cheap. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, I, I know exactly what you mean. The beginning of you know that that bit really because that's when Worf comes in and that's when they start to really kind of you know work in you know what's happening with the Klingons and the Cardassians and stuff. So Even then, it's like when I did my recent DS9 uh, rewatch, I was taking advantage of it being on Netflix so I could, you know, go through them. Mm. And it would be, I'll watch this one because, it, you know, it's a good one, or I'll watch this one because it's important to the narrative and it's the first one where they do this or this mm. is introduced. I was like, oh, I can skip this because it's, you know, it's one, just like a standalone. You know, skip yeah. this because it's crap. Skip this because, you know... <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's very useful to be able to do that. It's it's kind it's it's a luxury, considering I had to buy them on videotape with two episodes apiece. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember those days. Ah. Yeah, so just the entire idea of having an entire series that you can skip from any one to another—it's mm. just luxury. <laughs> But no, I mean, I remember the um, when they first started bringing out, say, for example, Buffy, the Buffy box sets and whatnot. 
where yeah. you have the videotapes and basically half the season will be spread on those three tapes and then there'll be like another three tapes for the rest of the season and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, those used to be like fantastic because that means that you didn't have to collect, you know, fucking 14 different, you know, tapes that, you know, if you could get your hands on, then you might be able to build up a collection that, you know, span the entire wall. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. I had an entire next generation and an, and an entire DS9 collection. And mm. they're not all um, 13 tips a season, but yeah, you're looking at like 10.99 per tip. And they both lasted for seven seasons. Yeah. So... That's a lot of money. If, if anyone whinges that, oh, 30 quid for a Blu-ray is quite, you know, for this season is, you know, quite pricey. It's like, yeah. Uh... Mm. <laughs> I just for inflation what I paid and then I, get back oh to God, me. I think the only time I started collecting TV series was when it was uh, not Buffy but Angel because Angel was so mm. hard to watch over here mm. and I think you were looking at something approaching between 40 to 50 quid for half a season on you know, two VHSs yeah. for Angel Was it really that much? Yeah, it was really expensive so it's like so basically you ended up paying out almost you know, 100 or quid for like a season at the end basically yeah that sounds about right what's retro been up to apparently I, I saw something on twitter about pcbs earlier and i was like what? oh uh yeah i'm my most recent arcade acquisition i have no idea what it is uh-oh. <laughs> it's a mystery box. Wait, hasn't this happened a few times? Oh, it's it's happened a few times, but in this case, it was from a UK seller, and it was pretty much I don't know what this is. I can't get it to work. It could be a good source of spare bits or practice board. Here, it's seven quid. Okay. And no one else bid, and that was it delivered. So that that's quite a good price, and it's a big. In a, quite a bigish board, and it's got a few daughter boards on it. Which um, he didn't, the seller didn't even know that they were, you know, for this. But he sort of, you know, looked at the sockets for some of the connections on this board and looked at those and thought, well, that looks like it plugs in there. And yeah, it does. But it, it, none of it works. And I'm pretty sure it's missing at least two, you know, two more small boards. Um, but the difficulty is it's an old. It's got an old type of solder on it, mm-hmm. and I think it's very oxidized, and it's being sheer bloody hell trying to desolder any chips from it. Oh, dear. And in this case, I don't necessarily want to you know, steal any chips from it, although I probably will in the long run. In, in this case, I'm just trying to get some EPROMs off it so I can check what they are, and then I can maybe identify what it is. Um. I have a suspicion that it's a, it's probably a fighter, because it has scratched along the side. Shit fighter. I <laughs> said, <laughs> so, okay, um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a strange board, but I'm trying to look into other ways that if I can't desolder the you know the chips without damaging the boards, maybe I can read you know the chips by perching things on top, but. We'll see whether I, you know, I can do that or not. Um, but that that's not been the main thing for me. Um, 
something I just finished today. I'll only mention this, you know, quickly because it in passing because it's a long video. It's nearly two hours. Uh, it, you've heard of H Bomber Guy? Yes. Yeah, he did a very good video about vaccines, Ooh. and it's a deep dive into the Andrew Wakefield, he of MMR, <laughs> and blimey has my opinion which was already extraordinarily low of andrew wickfield notice i'm not mentioning dr andrew wickfield because he got that revoked mm-hmm. um yeah that was already historically low and now it's just like oh it's even worse than i thought that was on youtube they watched that that was on that was on youtube um i highly recommend you watch it but yeah it basically he's a scammy fraudster and it's that asshole who is responsible for well basically all the anti-vax stuff can be traced back to him with the mmr vaccine and the short the short version of it is um nine months before publishing his paper um he patented a single measles vaccine which would have been the kind of things he could say well i found that mmr is dangerous however go and you know use this single measles vaccine instead the one that i patented and it turns out that the mmr study was um scammy as hell paid for by a uh you know, someone who wanted a a new disease that they could, you know, um, sue the MMR makers uh, for. And, half, yeah, just about half the parents whose kids were included in the study um, were not properly informed that the medical tests that their children were going to, uh, you know, undertake. Uh, one child got seriously injured by um, endoscopy. Oh god. Um and yeah, it's it's most of them didn't have autism. For a start. He just noted it down and he lied about the you know results for other things. So yeah, the whole paper as we know was you know was bullshit, but the reasoning behind it and Andrew Wickfield himself are far worse than I thought. And it being H. Bomber Guy, it is really well uh, presented, really well researched, and he goes into it, and it, it's, yeah, it's a very good video. Um, let's see, other things. I am continuing my watch of um, Star Wars Bad Batch, which, uh, you know, I've said before, is a you know animated series based on, you know, several clone troopers. And I would say, if you're curious, if, say, you're a household that's got a Disney Plus account for a, you know, a limited time, perhaps, I don't know, um, you sh- really should give Bad Batch a go because it's a good jumping-off point. It's got like none of the baggage of... Sorry? I feel like you're... Directly talking to us there. Oh, yes. Yes, I am. Oh, watch The Bad Batch. Emily, watch The Bad Batch. It is good. 
it, it's more it's more or less a season eight of um clone wars except it's concentrating entirely on you know uh, this you know band of clone troopers um have i have i mentioned bad batch before on the uh, podcast i'm yeah, trying to remember so. Yeah, um, mentioned Star Wars uh, Rebels as well. Yes, yeah. Rebels is good, but um, yeah, well, it's it's very good. But I think Bad Batch is an excellent jumping on point if you're curious about you know whether the animated series are any good because it's it's directly on the you know order 66 and what happens with the the very early days of you know the republic turning into the empire hmm. so it is it is good um let's see other things uh because it appeared on netflix i watched brightburn have you heard of that uh is that the um like warped version of superman one. Yes, it is. We've not seen that one, but Do you we've want to watch? Things. Want to watch? It's good. Um, it's it's not. I would say you know brilliant. Um, it's not a flawless film, but I like that it it takes several of the Superman tropes, like the you know the childless family, and you know finding. You know this child and then breeding him, and you know small town, you know that kind of thing. But it it is it is pretty much what happens if he's a bit fucked up, mm. and what happens if this child who knows he's you know quote unquote adopted finds that he is special. And he chooses to interpret it, or you know, just just basically, maybe his um, psychology. He chooses to interpret that as superior. Okay. And then it all starts going quite badly wrong. No spoilers, but yeah, I think it's definitely worth a watch, and it's it's quite well done. Um, slightly bloodier than I expected in in one or two bits. Mm. But yeah, okay. Um, oh, there's there's just it's like um, one sister-in-law I have has a major things about you know a major thing about things going into eyes, yeah. and in in one scene there's a tiny bit of glass that goes into someone's eye, and mm-hmm. yeah, there are a few other things that that happen which uh, I, yeah, spoilers. I'm not gonna go you know go into, but it's it's not like a gore fest. It's not any you know like that. There is a bit of gore. There's a little you know bit of blood, but um, it's not like the sort of you know torture porn type of um, thing. And I yeah I quite liked it. It's more dark takes on superheroes, please, or you know what could go wrong with a superpowered child. That would be good. Uh, let's see. Other thing, um, we decided to give Jupiter's Legacy a go on, also on Netflix. Are you familiar with this uh, at all? Um, I watched it. I've I've seen. Um, well, no, wait. That's still... oh wait. Sorry, that I'm thinking of Jupiter's Ending. No, so 
yeah, Jeepers Legacy. That's <laughs> yeah, it's on my yeah, it's on my <laughs> watch list. Um, yeah, I, we haven't seen it yet. The the idea is it's what you know. There, there's a bunch of superheroes and they're all you know getting on a little bit and they've got kids. And it's can the you know the kids deal with having parents like that, and them having their own you know abilities. Hmm. Um, I will say that from what I read up on this, because you know after watching the first ep- two episodes, I decided you know well, how was this developed, and yeah, apparently the there was a, a showrunner dispute, and the original showrunner left, and you know they brought different people on to. You know, slightly rejigging, you know, change the direction. Uh, yeah. If I was... I was watching the first episode and thinking, this isn't that good. And then we decided to, you know, watch the second episode and, oh, that was that was better. So I'd say it definitely starts off a little bit weak and then improves as it goes. Okay. It's got um, two... It's got the modern day plot line, mm. and you know, dealing with some of the um, the fallout from the first episode. In basically, in the first episode, uh, they had um, a used to be ally who turned into an enemy. He's been you know put away in prison, but all of a sudden seems to appear out of nowhere and starts a big fight with you know several of them. And the fight is going badly, and then um, actions are taken, which they're supposed to, ha- which are supposed to be against this, you know, superhero code that, you know, their head guy, he, um, this hero's father, has laid down, which is the, you know, there's no killing. Okay. Whatever they do, they do not kill, and it all goes from that. So you, you've got that modern day um, storyline, and then you've got the the past storyline, which is how they got the powers in the first place. And that is set in uh, the late nineteen twenties, um, right about the time of the, you know, the Great Depression. Well, I mean, it's generally a bit more interesting than, you know, basically World War Two. <laughs> yeah. That keeps on happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean because it. Yeah, but um, I I liked how they you know how they were doing the two storylines, and I'm really not convinced about some of the age makeup <laughs> in the modern day storyline because some of the characters you know definitely look older and more worse for wear than others. And it's like, I'm not quite sure. Maybe some de-aging would have worked better than, you know, putting old guy makeup on. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, it's like, yeah, I I started off thinking, I'm not sure if I'm going to continue with this series and ended up, I would quite like a season two. Thank you very much. That's that's good. That's positive. Yeah. That kind of improves like that. And uh, I ended up watching. Um, I have not seen, you know, not seen it yet. But it appeared on Netflix. Uh, I sat down and watched Spider Man Far From Home, and that that was pretty good. 
I will just say two things. One, I thought the film was going to be short. Okay. Um, have you seen it? Which one? Yeah, Spider-Man. This Far is from Spider-Man: home. Yeah. Far From Home. Yeah, it- I thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, hang on, this is wrapped up quickly. And two, Tony Stark really needs to put fucking safety guards into all his technology. I know he can't <laughs> now because he's dead, but you know, it's just how about not allowing drone strikes on school buses? I'd hate to be his chief information officer at Stark, oh, at Stark Industries. Because, like, the chief, you know, because normally that obviously that person's in charge of all strategic IT decisions and just desperately fucking trying to make sure that all their cloud shit and, and on promise shit has just got fucking security that actually does keep, like, like Tony Stark, like, just makes everything open. And also, there's probably just like a million, like, backdoors and everything as well, like, just in case he thinks he needs another way back in. Which is like, see, it's like, it's just so easy to find zero days in start product. Really? Yeah. Like, if it yeah. was real life, it would be incredibly easy to just hack his shit to death. I reckon that would have been actually a really good storyline for um, for one of the Iron Man films. Basically, just have so, like an advanced hacker being able to access his suit. And his tech, and him having to kind of rethink about how he develops his technology. And the insulting thing is that some really corny malware ends up on some of the systems as well, just for the fun of it. <clears throat> Asking yeah. for like uh, like ten thousand Dogecoin or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or else your operating system goes kaput. Bye bye, John. No, no, no. It's more. It's not operating. Be operating at all. will delete all your files and yeah. well, encrypt them and delete them. Yeah, it's it's just given that at least two films have now come out of what if Tony Stark's technology goes absolutely hugely fucking wrong. Mm. It's it's like maybe yeah, maybe should have put more security or not so much security in this case. It's it's definitely more put some safeguards in. You know, like, don't allow the user to do terrible, stupid things with it. Yeah. Or at least put, are you sure? <laughs> Just a little pop-up. That's all we want. Fair, fair. Uh, but yeah, that, so that, that's what I have been uh, doing and watching. Okay. Well, gentlemen, I, I genuinely think this might be all we've got time for this week. <laughs> It's a very long so. episode. Um, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, so it is good night from. It's good night from me, Paul Wood. I'm Retroid on Eurogamer.net and Super Retroid on Twitter. It's good night from me, Paul Blewett, and I'm on Twitter as at Paul Blewett. And it's good night from me, Emily King. I'm on Twitter at emkingma. You can find Nerd Assemble over at www.nerdassemble.co.uk. Uh, we're also. <laughs> Do the little bit. Um, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at Nerds Podcast. We do have a Facebook page which may or may not exist for much longer uh, at Nerds Podcast. Say what? Well, because I'm questioning my Facebook account. <laughs> um, and to be fair, hardly anyone ever actually interacts with the page. Get interactions for Twitter <laughs> and Instagram. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, anyway. Um, 
if you've listened to this episode via our website, um, please note that you can find it on services like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and a couple of other places. Um, and that's it. Good night. Good night. Good night. What than finish? What would be better phrasing than finish him? I don't know, but it just doesn't sound right. I have no idea. Uh, are I you would, thinking? In I just like doing way. the voice. It's just really bad. Is this going back to Spock and Kirk? It's really bad, man. Well, Spork. Nerds after dark for sure. <laughs>